As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Tuesday National College Football Podcast hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. I am thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague, Chris Vanini, to break down all the biggest storylines in college football this week in an hour or less. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Andy Staples and Friends show. Five stars, because much like your favorite recruits, we want to make an immediate impact. And Chris, This week, every year is usually pretty busy and usually pretty crazy. I mean, it's usually rivalry week, um, and I guess we have some of that, but not all of it this year. But it just feels like it has been nonstop news, and so much of it is happening off the field this year. Yeah, typically we'd be getting ready for Michigan-Ohio State and stuff like that. Instead, we've got three or four weeks left to go in the regular season. We've got Utah just played its first game. Texas State's about to play its last game. And the start of this week has has been as eventful as pretty much everyone for the past week for the past month. I mean, yeah, and and it feels like, and, and maybe this is because we're so far into the season and we're all kind of going stir crazy at home. But everyone is just freaking out about scheduling right hey. now. I mean, everyone is so focused on what BYU should do or Cincinnati should do. So it is actually a great week to have you on the podcast because you are our. Group of Five Guru, which I'm not sure anyone has called you before, but I'm going to coin that nickname. And let's start with that, because I feel like everyone has been fixated on anytime a big Pac-12 opponent cancels a game, everyone immediately jumps to BYU should play their opponent. What is actually happening, or what is realistic, or what really should BYU be thinking in this particular moment? Well... Yeah, this is the this is the hot issue of the of the day of the weekend. Uh, uh, Stu Stuart Mandel and I wrote a, a, a piece today on Tuesday, kind of a point counterpoint on on what BYU and Cincinnati should do if they should play each other. But it it, it depends. It really depends what we see in the first college football playoff rankings because BYU is not going to make the playoff no matter what they do. The, the The goal here really is to get to a New Year's Six bowl. If if they're in a spot in the rankings, if they're in that 
8-9 spot, uh, then they're probably guaranteed that, 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 that final, or that New Year's 6 spot. They don't need to maybe play another game. But if, if they're around 11-12-13, they might need to play another game. So maybe they play a game... Probably not this week. They have the they have December 5th open as well. So they've got some options. I know people want them to play Cincinnati. People want them to play Washington. Um, but I also don't think they're quite in a rush where they need to make a decision yet. That, that's how I... That's where I land on this, too. I mean, to me, if you are either BYU or Cincinnati, first of all, congratulations. You are having an awesome season. <laughs> Number two... Why wouldn't you just wait until Tuesday night and get a gauge of where the committee sees you before you make any decisions that are kind of binding? Because to your point, Cincinnati has the kind of schedule, theoretically, the type of respect, I think, that that has been building throughout the American, um, but also a human selection committee that values defense, and they have it in a year that not everyone has it. And you could see yourself with an outside shot at the actual college football playoff, the first group of five team to make it, but you don't know yet. And before you add a challenging game or rearrange things and make life living hell for some GAs by moving things around, I I think you want to make sure you know what is reasonable. And it's the same with BYU, as you said, about a New Year's Six Bowl, because you don't have that, you know, group of five championship. You don't have a championship to play for. Um, And so they they got one game left. They have one game. It's three weeks away. San Diego State. As we we are scheduled now, (laughs) these things change. We are recording this around seven o'clock Eastern on Monday night. So... It is quite possible that by the time you listen to this, especially if you listen to it um, later in the day on Tuesday or Wednesday, that you that this is outdated. But it's possible that things get moved around. That game could get moved. You know, you don't have a, a conference championship. Again, the Cincinnati thing, any of the Pac-12 opponents, there have been multiple teams available every single week so far in the Pac-12 due to COVID issues. So theoretically... If you wanted to find someone for December 5th, you probably would be able to. And this is a league um, that has traditionally scheduled BYU. The reason that they that BYU lost so many games off its schedule is because the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the Mountain West all went conference only. Turns out, when you're scrambling and you're the Pac-12 late, maybe you want to add some non-conference games and some flexibility. And that's how we get to kind of full circle of here where we are. Um, and so I think I think it's compelling. I think it's interesting. And I think it's good that people are actually paying attention to these teams because I feel like otherwise we would just be talking about the usual suspects and the CFP. But I, but I like that there is this hope of this outside chance for Cincinnati and this New Year's six shot for BYU. Yeah, well, BYU is, is kind of quickly going from uh, Cinderella darling to... Uh, online villain for for however they may or may not feel about playing Washington when uh, so, some people claim that BYU had no interest in playing others said BYU wanted to wait it's possible Washington can't play anyway depending on the Pac-12's requirements if 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 uh, Arizona State can't play Utah uh, so people were quick to to point out that BYU has said this and quarterback Zach Wilson had a headband on that said any team anywhere anytime or, or something along those lines and uh yeah i mean it's it's fair to rib them a bit if they're, if they're gonna do that and potentially not play another game but it's a little I, but i do think it's too early they still might do it uh things could get moved around these things are, are, are flexible but uh yeah I, I, I that was a that was a real thing on twitter over the weekend with byu was suddenly they were ducking washington that's that's become the big thing in <laughs> 
college football is somebody's ducking somebody, nobody's everybody's somebody's scared to play somebody else. And it's like, let's hold on a minute here. These things change. There's a lot that goes into this. Things could still happen. Uh, but but I, I know we got to have quick reactions to things. Uh, just to double check, can the quarterback or the social media person uh, schedule a game? Just wondering. Uh, probably not. Okay, just just checking because I, I understand that these things are easy to to riff on. Um, I do it all the time, and I'm st- I'm still mad. By the way, I'm not going to get over this that Illinois deleted that tweet. That was an all time great tweet. <laughs> Come on, on Illinois, it was a good Come one. Come on, and we it, 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 it we all remember it. It's got it. It, it was screenshotted. If you want to release an apology statement, whatever, but. Deleting it and pretending it didn't happen is, is not it's the like, right move. It's like vacating a Heisman Trophy. We just we're, we're just not going to engage with it. But to your point about people accusing other people of ducking things, which apparently is now the new theme of the season, let's go talk about Florida State and Clemson because this I've termed it a kerfluffle. I've gotten to use the word about six different times today, and it is again Monday night. We are still talking about a game that was not played. And this was the game that was called off closest to kickoff only a couple hours before on Saturday morning. And the weirdest thing that happened is the team that was probably going to blow out the other team, the spread was 35 points, um, is mad that the other team got concerned about health and safety protocols with a positive result on the team that was going to win the game. So now Dabo Swinney has ignited the flames. Like, I mean, maybe the flames were already there, but they are now really quite large. He is fanning them. They are huge. Mike Norvell tried to be the voice of reason on Monday and explained that it is a pandemic. Um, people have different health and safety Uh, it's not really guidelines. It's the same guidelines, but different interpretations and that they were erring on the side of caution and their job as coaches and the administrators at Florida State was we're going to protect um, and prioritize the health and safety of our athletes. This is how our experts see it. Clemson said, we followed the rules. Why aren't you playing us? And, And here we are. What was your gut reaction when you saw the game was off and then what was your gut reaction when Dabo himself went off on Sunday night? Well, I mean, my reaction when it turned out that a Clemson player tested positive and had been symptomatic earlier in the week while practicing and Florida State didn't feel comfortable playing, my, my reaction was that seems perfectly reasonable. I, I mean, it. I know. I know Clemson fans are coming back and saying, you know, he, people later weren't symptomatic, and I know they do all these testing and everybody else and what have you. But like, it's okay that this game didn't get played. Like, just in general, I. I, I mean, it, it's it's okay. For there, there were some questions. Frankly, I had. I was. I didn't know what to think coming into the season. If if coaches and schools were going to push through and try to play games in situations that maybe they shouldn't be playing. And yeah, maybe you can make the case none of this season should be happening. But I really think for the lar- for the most part, schools have taken this very seriously. There, there, I've, there have been so many games canceled in proactive ways. I, I do think everybody involved is trying to be as safe as possible with this for the most part. And so that was my reaction when Florida State didn't feel comfortable playing. I, 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 it makes sense. What's, what's again, yes, what's incredibly weird about this is, 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 is Dabo Sweeney and people at Clemson are upset that Florida State didn't want to play when Clemson was the one who had the player who tested positive. Like, 
there were a, a few weeks ago, you know, the Army head coach Jeff Mockin was kind of upset that Air Force couldn't play. Air Force had a bunch of positive tests and, and whatnot. These situations, we thought they would be, you, someone's accusing another school possibly of faking numbers because they wanted to get out of a game. That was a scenario we thought maybe might pop up during the season. Not that the team with the infected player is calling out the other team for not playing. Just very strange. Dabo was, uh, Dabo was clearly really, really upset, and it kind of caught me off guard and out of nowhere. And he just, it was really unnecessary. Uh, and, and yeah, Florida State came back. Mike Dorvell said they're willing to pay play. Mike Dorvell chip in and pay for the travel back if they want to do it. Who knows if it's going to happen? But uh, just, I, I thought a really unnecessary reaction out of Clemson. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I I agree totally. And the best theory I've heard about what caused such a reaction from Dabo comes from Roddy Jones. I was talking to him on Sirius earlier on Monday, and his theory was that Dabo grew up and again, he's been coaching at Clemson for a long time, but also his his history at Alabama, where Florida State's the gold standard. And, you know, there is just like to us. Clemson-Florida State isn't a rivalry right now. That game wasn't going to be close. But to him, it's everything, right? And it is and it is heated, and it is something that you measure yourself against. And I, I believe that that contributed to this, because otherwise the, the level of vitriol was, was so outsized for the fact that a game got called off in a pandemic, which has happened to so many different people, um, that, that it, it was confusing and it was hard to imagine. And now that game has not, they have not announced a rescheduling date for it. Um, and we're seeing already on, on Monday, the SEC shifted some games around um, in order to make sure certain games were getting played in, instead of, you know, two healthy teams playing, they, they rerouted one of them to, to play somebody else. And so I, I do think you're going to see that. And, and maybe that can be a justification for, not playing Clemson FSU or something, if that is something that doesn't get made up. But it is such a strange dynamic to have the head coach of, um, you know, your your flagship school right now causing a kerfuffle, <laughs> going to keep using this word, with another member of your conference. Like, this is something that is going to completely linger into the offseason, into league meetings. I mean, like, it's, it's not going away when you do something like this. Yeah, I, it didn't look good. The the ACC did not look good, I think, coming out of this, both with, with the statement that came out on Saturday and kind of the way it's handled since. And, yeah, it, we haven't gotten that in the SEC. I mean, Tennessee Tennessee just lost a game against Vanderbilt uh, potential, uh, without 
having any issues between the teams. I mean, LSU-Alabama didn't get played. I mean, you want to talk about gold standard programs going up against each other. And people just went along with it because these issues come up. I know this Florida State issue, the Florida State-Clemson issue was a bit unique. Um, yeah, it just it didn't seem like it required the level of response that Dabo gave um, this week. So, yeah, I, I'm curious to see where this goes uh, in, in the coming weeks and, like you said, into the offseason if, if these programs uh, keep kind of snipping at each other. But, yeah, there, there was um, the, the ACC did not, uh, you know, help out Florida State here. It did not go in and, and referee the situation, um, and and I think that it, it created an, an interesting dynamic because because you know we we've seen fan bases and radio stations connected to programs in Nebraska's case like <laughs> take shots at people and, and accuse them of ducking them, but but really like you haven't had a sitting head coach do that, and to me it, it makes me think okay he's he, he's he's figuring out okay. You know, obviously, there's there's an element of like this um, God given right to play football in a pandemic, which has rubbed me the wrong way when coaches have gotten upset about things like this. But also, Trevor will now not have played for a full month by the time he plays next. Um, you know, it, it's hard to imagine him really regaining momentum in the Heisman race. You're I, I, Clemson's going to be fine, assuming that they get their rematch with Notre Dame. If they win that, they'll be in the playoff. So I do, again, like big picture, I don't think this losing this game matters that much. And, and by the way, we're referring to like losing games as like they're getting taken off their schedule. Same with um, with, with Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And so I, to me, like I, I don't, again, I, I, I just wish that when we come down to it, when a game gets in, we are appreciative of it. Because if you had said to people in June or July you're going to get this many games in, you're going to be playing this late into November, people would say it's a huge success. And instead, you have coaches dwelling on things like this and Dan Mullen complaining about not having a home field advantage. And it's like we're, we're losing sight of the you wanted to, the chance to play um, and you've gotten to do it X amount of times. So, you know, where I think that leads us to next in this conversation is this is going to publish prior to the first college football playoff rankings. We again, we weren't sure we'd get to this point where you know we'd really be talking college football playoff and really comparing teams that have played three games versus teams that have played eight. What are you most interested in seeing from this set of rankings in in terms of like I, I think the first one we we can at least take some messages that they're sending us based on how they view certain teams. Like I know most of the times, you know these these are very pointless, but the first one, matters what do you want it to see say the the team i am most interested in seeing where they sit is byu for, for the reasons we already mentioned they could be anywhere I, I expect cincinnati to probably be in the seven eight range where they are in the polls maybe a spot or two lower but byu could be anywhere from seven to 13, I don't know. And in and where they are, again, will depend on what games happen. I mean, it, it, that really is the most impactful ranking uh, to see where it is. I think the, the top four, we all know what it'll be. Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson. I Probably in that order. I, I, I don't think there's going to be any other questions there. Um, and, and, and then Cincinnati, probably on the outside. Texas A&M and Florida are up there. So I don't think there's going to be many surprises. I think the most interesting team I'm looking for is is BYU. And um, I'm also looking to see if 
they show clips of the committee members wearing masks in their meetings or anything like <laughs> that because they are meeting in person for for no reason whatsoever, honestly. It would be a nice surprise if they were like, surprise, actually, we did this as a Zoom meeting. Like, you know, we heard all of your concerns, but it does not appear hope, that that is hope, the case. Hope nobody has to quarantine at the Gaylord Texan and Miss Thanksgiving with their family uh, because yeah, they decided there is, to do this. There is a, a definite difference between... Um, playing a football game as they compared themselves to um, and that that is something that needed to be done in person and a meeting that is the epitome of a meeting that could be a zoom or a phone call so yeah hopefully all of that goes okay they they at least have fewer meetings than they normally do regarding that Um, but I do think you know in terms of the eye test being the most important thing this year we've got to get a sense of how they see the teams and, and how they see the games and I do think we will see Ohio State at three. I I also wonder if the committee would make a statement by, you know, saying they've only played four games or or something to to that effect. Um, Very curious to see the differences in games, because really over the course of the college football playoff, we've heard about data points and, and how important they are and the difference between 12 games and 13. And now you're going to be comparing teams that play four versus eight it's going to be it's going to be pretty wild and and different and I walked myself down a path earlier today that I would like you to go on this journey with me Chris because I confused myself and got myself thinking about how many potential fourth place teams there could be what what do you think happens if Alabama wins out Ohio State wins out and then Clemson blows out Notre Dame in the ACC championship game with Trevor. And that's the team that they go back and play the playoff with. Does Notre Dame still get in? Well, let's see who the candidates are. We've got we've got Notre Dame. We have uh, Texas A&M, assuming they beat Auburn. Um, we've got Cincinnati, assuming they win out, probably have to beat Tulsa twice. Uh, perhaps Oregon or USC, maybe, if one of those Pac-12 teams goes undefeated. Um, Miami, maybe. Uh, that's five. Those are probably the candidates, right? I can't I can't really think yeah, of anybody else then, who could probably get up there. At that point, Florida would have two losses. Um, yeah, Florida would have two. Which, Northwestern would have one and probably would have a loss and probably be out. Um, th- that would knock out those teams. So, yeah. so this scenario and also... A corollary of it, which is Clemson loses to Notre Dame, gets swept by Notre Dame, and then Clemson's out of the playoff picture. To me, those are scenarios that really open up that fourth spot, and I think we're going to have a very flawed team. And we've had this in the past where the semifinals have been blowouts, but that potentially really opens that door if there is like a drastic drop-off. Because I think right now, if things go according to the way we expect them to go in Clemson, beats Notre Dame in an ACC rematch, but it's a good game. It's very cut and dry. But if anything else happens, it is not cut and dry. No, and that's where that's where Cincinnati still, I think, has maybe a backdoor path depending on where they are in these rankings. Um, you probably, say that happens. Say, say Notre Dame beats Clemson. That's it's going to knock Clemson out of the picture. Say Auburn beats Texas A&M. Very possible. A&M's out of the picture. Alabama beats Florida. Florida's out of the picture. Then maybe Cincinnati's got a shot. You know, they'd be 
what, 10, 11 or 12 and 0 if you count the conference championship game, possible two, again, possible two wins against Tulsa, then maybe they've got a shot. Would you put that in over an Oregon or a USC who might play literally half as many games? Uh, possibly. So that that's where it could get really weird. The problem is we're not going to know these scenarios literally until the final two weeks. So it, again, back to should Cincinnati schedule BYU on December 5th or something? They don't know. I mean, they don't know if they even have, will have a chance yet. It's kind of scheduling for a what if, and that's why I'm not sure they would really want to do that. But um, a lot of possibilities if that all happens. Right. And and I think that that's what's fascinating is like normally when we get to this point in the season and we're talking about what ifs and if this happens or if this thing falls this way, first of all, I, I do think, and I think we'll see this reflected maybe not in BYU, but in Cincinnati, some of the American teams, Coastal Carolina, I, I do think we will see a lot of respect for a group of five teams. And I have a few theories about this and the fact that they didn't play a lot of crossover games with the Power Five. And so, you know, maybe a team like Tulsa, what if they had lost, um, you know, or, or you know. Well, U- Tulsa, UCF. I mean, Tulsa almost beat Oklahoma State. Right off the right, bat. Right, that's but, true. But that's Coast, true. They did. Okay. But yeah, and like, wanted, yeah, but like Appalachian State had games against Wisconsin and Wake Forest that didn't get played. So there was, there was a lot of big games that didn't happen. North, yeah, North, North also, Carolina UCF would have been fun. We can exclude the Big 12 because they did have crossover games and they lost the Big 12. It did not so go off actually, of the Big 12. That boosted the group of five. Um, but in normal times, the SEC would have had games. Big 10 would have had games. And so what I think is that maybe some of the... A, I think we saw a lot of the top group of five teams more. They also started early, which I think is paying off for them. They will have more data points. But number two, I think the middle of some of those leagues is getting more respect um, than maybe they would have if they had lost a couple non-conference games. So I, I do think that you have that aspect coming into it. And then you have this scheduling flexibility that has never existed in this sport where you have teams mixing and matching to make up more important games in their league's divisional races. So theoretically, you can boost your resume more than you would in a normal year where you didn't control, like your, your opponents were your opponents in November, um, and you couldn't change them. Plus, you have the BYU factor, Cincinnati, the fact that there are teams willing to schedule on their open dates. So it sort of creates this like way more chaotic environment, and obviously also the pandemic is worse now, and so you really don't know who is going to be affected most. It's truly chaotic, and it's it's crazy that these conferences are imposing certain deadlines throughout the week about, like, okay, like, if you want to change around your opponents, you need to know by this day, where these are teams where coaching staffs would have, like, blown a gasket <laughs> if you'd said something yeah. like that midweek, like, during game week, changing the opponent. That is insane, yet we are used to it. Yeah, typically you're, typically you're game planning for an opponent, like, in the spring and in the summer and, and all that. And, like, you know, Cal, UCLA having to turn around in a few days and play on a Sunday was uh, an, an incredible turnaround. And, I mean, that that is honestly one of several factors to take into a team's win or loss. I mean, you've got COVID issues where certain players out, uh, how many number of games do you play? There, there are so many different factors that the committee is going to have to take into account. And who, who, who's the head? Who's the? Is, is it Gary Barda? Is he going to be the one speaking to ESPN yes. afterward? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really feel bad for the person who's always in that spot because they always they have to present 
a reasoning for a ranking as if it was a unified front, as if we all agreed this team should be here and this is why we did it. When that's not really the case, they're all, you know, we've both gone through the mock committee thing that the playoff sets up. Different people have different takes on things and then it kind of just shakes itself out in certain ways. So if you say, why is this team here? Shouldn't they be here? Well, yeah, maybe they should, but and some people on the on the committee probably thought that, but other other people didn't, and this is went the way it was. So it's always kind of a no win situation for the chair to have to kind of answer that. And and Gary Barda, the the AD at Iowa this year, is going to have even more questions. He's going to have to answer, and they're just they're sometimes there just aren't answers. My favorite part of that too is that conference championships are an important factor. And you don't have them for all but the last rankings. And so you just like don't have this giant piece that is super important. And you just sort of, you know, kind of trudge your way through. Um, So I I think that's going to be interesting. So I'm excited to see the first ones. um, And then I will essentially fast forward to the last ones because the middle ones are hard to read too, too much into. Um, so we will not always spend this much time on the CFP rankings, but for the first ones, we've got some big questions that we want to answer. Um, but before we go, we have to do our last call, which is our segment that we do each week, which is a mini rant or a reason to cheers before we go. And I, you know, I, I just think it's more fun to rant um, in general. So you know, if we haven't done enough ranting, you know, we have to have a space for it. And I'll go first, Chris. Um, I'll give you time to think about your last call. But mine is... Oh, I, I I've am, got mine. I got mine. I already wrote about it. I'm still fired up about it. All right. I'll wait, I'll, no, I'll, I'll wait for you, though. No, no, no. You go okay, first. Okay. You, you, if you're fired up, let's go. Yeah, this is still bothering me. Um, why is Louisiana, a.k.a. Lafayette, ranked below Iowa State? By a lot in both polls, and I'm expecting the same thing to happen in the CFP rankings. It makes no sense. Louisiana is seven and one. Iowa State is six and two. Louisiana beat Iowa State in Ames by 17 points, and their only loss was on a last-second field goal to undefeated Coastal Carolina. Makes no sense whatsoever. Yes, Louisiana has had a string of close calls, one-score wins against. Teams like uh, Arkansas State or Georgia Southern and, and stuff like that. But they've won their games. Uh, Iowa State was down 14 points to Baylor, I think, at, at one point, And they barely got by TCU as well. I know Iowa State beat Oklahoma. I know Iowa State looked good beating Kansas State 45 to nothing. You know what's, you know what's better than beating Oklahoma? Beating Iowa State. Louisiana did it. Oklahoma <laughs> couldn't do it. This is, makes no sense to me. Everybody, we, everybody, pe- people got high in Louisiana early in the season when they beat Iowa State, won a couple games, but then they lost a game to Coastal, who was not ranked at the time, and everybody just forgot about them. And Iowa State kept moving up because Power 5, Big 12, people pay attention to them. Nobody paid attention to Louisiana anymore, and nobody realized that Coastal Carolina turned out to be a pretty darn good team, and that loss Louisiana had is not a bad loss anymore. So... If the regular season is supposed to matter, and if the wins and losses and what happens are supposed to matter, Louisiana should be ahead of Iowa State without a doubt. I know advanced rating systems might have Iowa State higher and all these different things, and when teams have multiple losses, there are certainly other factors that come into things, and head-to-head is not the only decision. But when you beat a team by 17 points and your only loss was to an undefeated team, you should be ahead of that team you beat 
it's absolutely ridiculous that Louisiana is 23rd and 24th in the polls, while Iowa State is 15th in both polls. And kind of along the same lines, Texas A&M should 100% be ahead of Florida for the same reason. They are five. I was going to add that that is the coaches poll yes. has Florida slotted right ahead of A&M. When it is back to back, it is so egregious yes. and so obvious. Yes, it makes no sense. A&M beat Florida. I know it was a la- I know it was again a last second field goal in a game. It was A&M. That's fine. A&M's only loss was to again Alabama, an undefeated team. It's the same situation as Louisiana. There's no reason Texas A&M should be behind Florida. They are in the coaches poll. They aren't in the AP poll, but based on those numbers, they are incredibly close. So you know a lot of team, a lot of pollsters do have Florida ahead of A&M. Should not happen. What happens on the field should matter. If a team wins a game head-to-head and they lose to an undefeated team, they should be ahead of that team. This has been bothering me for weeks now, especially with Louisiana and Iowa State, and I finally wrote about it in the Athletic 127 rankings this week. And when you told me we could rant about something, this has still been (laughs) on my mind, so I just wanted to get that off my chest again. Okay, do you feel better? A little bit. Okay. My rant is something we touched on earlier in the show, but I feel very strongly about it, and I have been ranting about this publicly and privately basically all season, but I am so over the blame game. We are playing college football in a pandemic, and I am so sick and tired of people trying to blame people for a very contagious virus that is actually running things. You cannot blame Again, unless somebody's like egregiously flaunting, like just not wearing a mask, running around, going to parties, going to bars, whatever. But that's not what's happening. In so many of these cases, you have players being super diligent, being really careful. They are sacrificing so much of what makes college college to have a chance to have a season. You are acting ridiculous when you think that that team is ducking you after everything they go through every single day to put themselves in position to try to play the sport that they love. And I am just sick and tired of it. And I think it's especially ridiculous when you are talking about games that are not going to be close or you are the team that is probably going to lose in the situation of Nebraska and Wisconsin. And I am just really, really, really sick of it. Everyone should be appreciating any game that gets in. That is what you said you wanted. You wanted the chance to get games in, to play, to work towards the NFL for your players, to to have their college career they always dreamed of, to play for a national championship if you're Justin Fields. So appreciate that. Like, everyone just keeps moving the goalposts. I do mean to mix metaphors there. And it's just, it's really frustrating because everyone is totally losing sight of the fact that this is a pandemic that is worsening. It is flu season. It is cold. People are inside People are trying their best. You have different advice and recommendations based on same medical info, which happens all the frigging time. This happens when you break your leg and you get a second opinion from a doctor, right? Like, it's not weird that Florida State's medical people and Clemson's would have different opinions on something. We spent the entire summer with the ACC's medical team views it this way. The Big Ten views the the same thing that way. It is not weird, It is totally normal. We are still learning about this virus and everyone is trying to do their best. And I am sick and tired of people trying to blame protocols, uh, blame tests, blame an over, you know, burden system where, you know, you're not going to get results back fast because the pandemic's getting worse everywhere. And it's just all of this is 
so more important than getting one college football game in. And I'm so tired in people trying to blame an opponent, blame a certain person, blame a person who causes an outbreak when it is a virus that is really contagious. And we literally didn't know anything about it prior to a year ago and really not actually started to learn about it until March. So I'm just very tired of that. I am. We should be grateful that we've gotten this far through the season. The finish line is in sight. The finish line is December 19th for almost everybody. And, you know, at that point, you're going to have four teams for the college football playoff. We are getting very, very close to being able to crown a champion, which is what any all anybody wanted to do. We're seeing how hard it is to do to even get a season off the ground with college basketball. And I'm just tired of people trying to blame anyone and everyone anytime something goes wrong instead of just, again, appreciating the wins, which, by the way, is playing a game when they happen. Whew. Nicole, do you want to know a secret? What? College football teams uh, like playing football. And so when they decide not to play a game, they're not happy about it. They didn't want to do it. <laughs> they would much rather play the game. There are circumstances yeah, well, outside their control. Why, people aren't wh- ducking people. Yeah, I was going to say, well, why would you get play if you could duck somebody? Why would you go through your entire week of practice and get ready to play Clemson only to de- only to decide you don't want to play Clemson? That, that's the other thing. When, when teams have a game canceled, you know, a couple days beforehand, uh, that's not they're not getting a bye. They're not getting rest because in many of these cases, like Florida State, they went through the week of practice. So it's not like they were, you know, doing something like that. So, uh, yeah, here here is how much they want to play. And we'll we'll end the show on this. Charlotte, which Oof. has had so many games canceled on them, seven. and then they've had seven. To, they've lost seven games. Seven games. They've had to cancel some. They are moving a game to Tuesday morning, and then playing the following Saturday in order to get a game in because they want to play. They were not ducking anyone. They were not trying to get out of games. Their opponents were not ducking them. They are going to play on a Tuesday morning, which honestly I'm super pumped about. It's going to be super weird. What, what do we call that? G- Conference USA before it's something. What's something breakfasty that starts with a C? But also like is a weekday staple. Con- it's like a continental breakfast. Oh, that's Ooh. it. That's it. Con- Conference USA continental breakfast. Co- continental Boom. continental Conference USA. Something like that. Yes, I like it. Okay, I think we I think we just figured it out. But I like again, that to me is all you need to know. No one is trying to give up games just because they're hard when you didn't know you were going to get games at all. So I'm glad we worked through these things. I'm also glad that we now have determined at least a front runner for the name for Conference USA Continental Breakfast something. We will shorten it. Maybe CUSA Continental. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. We, we got time to workshop this. Um, the great news is that that is actually also happening on a Power Hour Tuesday. So even better. Even better. They're playing on a Tuesday. Um, Chris, this was great. Thank you so much. And also, thank you for just being a voice of reason in the BYU scheduling debacle. I am team not accuse people of ducking people. Even if that's actually what happened in this case. I'm just tired of it. I, I, I'm tired of the word. I, I, I know some. I know some BYU fans have been upset at some of the heat they're getting, but uh, we'll just let you know that there are people who understand the decisions that your school is making. Also, um, shout out to iPhones for finally being correct that people are trying to say ducking. 
That is <laughs> one of my main takeaways of this week. And that'll do it for this edition of Power Hour. We will be back next Tuesday, as always. Thanks, as always, for listening. For Chris Vanini, I'm Nicole Auerbach, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.